Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. You turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. And uh, we're just glad you're here to be a part of our service. We have been on a sermon series called Made for More in 2024. And we've been talking about the vision of our church and the vision as individuals. I first talked about how we want to face the future with faith versus fear. I talked about God wants to make us a new person. And then last week I talked about the uh, one of the things that can destroy a vision in the church is division. So we talked about division. And today I'm going to talk about something I think all of us are going to be able to relate with. I think uh, there's not a person in this room you won't be uh, that you'll be able to relate to what I'm going to preach this morning. So I'm going to read a verse of scripture here. Uh, it's kind of been our theme scripture uh, out of the book of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And this is what it says. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or another translation says, where there is no vision, the people are without restraint. Or where there is no vision, uh, the people run wild. And so I want to pray today that the Lord would speak to our hearts. And so why don't we uh, pray for just a moment and ask the Lord to be with us. So Father, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you for the word of God that is relevant in 2024. Then the day that it was first written, your word applies to our lives even today. It's not outdated. Lord, so today help us to receive it. Help us to be open to it. Help us to, Lord, remove every distraction right now. Lift it from our minds and our hearts. I pray for the Holy Spirit to anoint every word that I speak today and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So today I want to kind of talk about something internal that can destroy the vision that God has for you as an individual because God has the plan for every person, believe it or not. You're not an accident. You are made with a purpose and on purpose. Maybe your parents didn't plan you, but God did. And some of you say, well, my parents, I'm an accident. No, you're, you're the bonus baby. They, they didn't even realize it. But God had a plan for your life. And there are several places where Jesus talks about this particular subject that I'm going to talk about today, and it's found in Luke chapter 17, verse number 1. And Jesus makes this state statement. He said to the disciples, it is impossible, say impossible, that offenses will not come. But woe to him to whom they do come. And that's Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Another translation says, offenses will certainly come. So he said, it's impossible that offenses will not come. There's something that's definitely impossible. And here's what's impossible, that you're going to go through your happy life without someone upsetting you, without someone getting you mad or rubbing you wrong. You're not going to be able to escape it. You won't be able to get away from it. There's no one here that you're not going to go through life where someone is going to offend you. So let me give you a news flash. You ever see those news flashes come out? Breaking news. Not only will you be offended, but you'll be offended again and again. 
Now, you guys didn't like that. Again and again. It's not just going to happen once. Not going to happen twice. You will be offended again and again. You're not exempt from it. You're not immune from it. There's no way to avoid it. You're going to be offended. And the question is not if you're going to be offended, but when you're going to be offended. And the next question is, what are you going to do when you are offended? How do you handle the offense? And it's not what happens to you. It's what happens in you. And really, that's the subject that I want to talk about. I want to talk about no more offense in 2024 because I have found that offense will drive a wedge between unity. It will drive a wedge in relationships. In fact, Romans 14, 19 says, then let us pursue the things which make, uh, make up for peace and building up one another. So the Bible says we need to be striving. We need to be pursuing those things that are of peace and those things that build up other people. And so there are two things, there are two areas of offenses that I want to talk about today that even Christ had to deal with. We're not to pursue or we're pursuing not to be offended. That's our pursuit. We don't, we don't want to live in offense, nor do we want to offend others. We don't want to live in offense and we don't want to offend others. Now, when I began to think about and really begin to put this message together, I realized that many people don't realize what the true definition of an offense is. Because there's a lot of people that are easily offended today. We live in the USO, United States of Offense now, not America. Everybody's offended by all kinds of things got to say the right pronouns. You got to do this, do that. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. I'm offending people already. People already online offended. And so people are just offended by a lot of things. And so I kind of want to clarify when the Bible talks about offense, uh, what it means and what it doesn't mean. I want to talk about what it doesn't mean. Okay. So uh, you could write this down. Offense doesn't mean that you swallow the truth. And what do I mean by that? It means that someone could offend you, and you don't just say, well, you know, it, it really didn't hurt me. It does hurt. How I many know when you're offended, it hurts you? Your feelings are hurt. Your emotions are hurt. And here's the thing. If you don't deal with it, it grows into bitterness. And then before you know it, I, I've met a lot of passive, aggressive Christians who say they're not offended on the outside. They're smiling, and inside, man, they're bitter. And Christians are really good at this. So it doesn't mean you don't swallow the truth. It's possible to both forgive and to tell the truth. You can forgive and tell the truth. So I'll talk about that in a little bit. Number two, it doesn't mean that you minimize the offense. And we're really good at this. When we're offended, we say, well, it's not a big deal. When you know it is a big deal. You say, well, you know, I'm not really that hurt. When you, when it, you really are hurt. So it doesn't mean that you minimize the offense. It'd be like minimizing chest pain. And you're, well, it's not that bad, so I'm not going to go to the doctor. But how many know it could be very serious? So we don't minimize the offense. If you're offended, we don't minimize it or say it's not a big deal. And number three, you ready for this? It doesn't mean that you let someone keep hurting you. You're not a rug on the ground. You're not something somebody just walks all over. Uh, so you don't keep people hurting you. We forgive people, but it takes a while to trust people again. 
We immediately need to forgive people. There's, well, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is that I forgive you immediately, but trust, we're going to have to rebuild that. So when the Bible tells us that we're demanded and commanded by Christ to forgive, but trust needs to be built. And so I want to make sure that the, we don't uh, allow ourselves to be in a place where we're constantly being hurt, where we're under abuse verbally, under abuse physically, emotionally, mentally. If you have this thing, you need to get into a place of safety. You need to get out of wherever you're at because you can't let somebody keep hurting you. Someone say amen. Yes. The other part, it doesn't mean, to be offended doesn't mean there's a disagreement or a misunderstanding. There's a difference between an offense that's against you and a misunderstanding. If somebody disagrees with you, you don't need to be offended. They just disagree with you. Now, if they disagree with you and they lie about you and gossip, that's different because that becomes personal. But we're not going to agree on everything. And all of us are not going to agree on everything. Just because there's a misunderstanding or a disagreement don't mean you get all offended. I mean, that person thinks different than you, may have a different perspective. And so therefore, uh, it, you know, you're, we're not talking about disagreeing about Bible truths and all that. What we're talking about is there's a misunderstanding. So we, that's not something to be offended about. Now, let me tell you what offense is. An offense is when someone sins against you. They sin against you. Again, it's not a disagreement. Disagreement is not an offense. In fact, a disagreement can actually, you can learn from each other. But we're talking about when someone lies about you, when someone deliberately is hurting you, saying something demeaning or unkind to you, that is an offense. So I want to talk about all the meaning of offense and what it's not. Also, what I want to talk about is not taking up an offense because we can easily be offended, as I said earlier. And when we become offended, the problem is we allow this offense to turn into bitterness, and bitterness is like poison to the soul. It poisons you. You can't sleep, you're mad, you're upset, and it's easy, especially these days, to live in a society where everyone's offended. We live with this attitude of offense. I was, I was reading and they said that uh, one of the things that it takes for an explosion to take place is fuel, containment, and a spark. So you can, you can have gasoline and you can pour it out here and it'll, it'll, it'll go up. But if you put that gasoline in a can and I'm not going to teach you how to do this, but, and then you put flame to it, it'll blow up, okay? I'm thinking, well, oh, pastor's teaching us how to make bombs. No, I'm, I'm just trying to tell you that containment and, and fuel and a spark causes an explosion. This is why they say that in, during the COVID, people were so contained, all you needed was a little bit of fuel and a little bit of spark, and there was an explosion everywhere. And so we've seen this in homes, we've seen this in family. During COVID, there was more uh, spousal abuse, child abuse, unfortunately, more drug abuse because people were in a place of containment, there was fuel, and there was a spark. So I believe today that we need to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves for it to become an explosion. Now, the Greek word for offense is scandalon, 
And what that means, it originally comes from the piece of wood that would keep open a trap and there would be a bait for an animal there to be captured. And so as soon as the animal would go for the bait, they would trip that little piece of wood and it would trap them. And this is what happens uh, with a fence. A fence could be a bait for you to be trapped. Don't go for the bait. And I've seen many people, they go for the bait. I deserve to be angry. I deserve to have revenge. I deserve, you're, you're going to be trapped in the prison of bitterness if you allow yourself to do that. Here's what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says. Get rid of all bitterness, everything, and all rage and anger. In other words, you're not supposed to live with this angry attitude. You ever met people like that? They're just angry all the time. Harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. So the Bible says when you're bitter, when you're raging, when you're anger, when you have harsh words, that's evil behavior. When you're slandering people, that's evil. He said get rid of all of that. And how many know God can help us with that? So we're talking about this trap that we can avoid, this prison There are ways to get out of it. And if you're in a place right now where you're offended, there are ways to get out of it. There are ways God can help you. There's some things that you got to do. There's some adjustments that you have to make. There's some things in your life that need to be tweaked so God can free you from that. So we have a vacuum. Where's that vacuum at? This is one of the vacuums of the church. We have several vacuums. In fact, our church has gone through several vacuums in the past. Thank you. This is one of these commercial vacuums. Thank you very much. All right, Richie. Give Richie a big hand. All right. And, um, you know, this vacuum has a lot of stories, man. We have a few of these vacuums. That have, you can tell they've gone through. This is one of our newer vacuums. And uh, have you ever been vacuuming and you, you're trying to pick up that one little speck and it, the, the power is on? You know, the motor is on, everything is on, it's on, but you're just trying to, it won't suck anything up, man. It's just for, you're going over and over, like, what is wrong with this vacuum? And so I, when we first started pastoring, I would vacuum the church quite a bit. So I've learned how to actually fix these vacuums. I'm, I'm not a vacuum cleaner salesman, okay? I'm not trying to sell you this thing. But I've learned a little bit about the vacuum, and the reason why I tell you that is several years ago, we, we've had about, we had about three of these vacuums, and they weren't working right. And so uh, they came up to me and said, Pastor, we need new vacuums. I said, what happened? They go, oh, these vacuums, they're all broken. They're no good. I go, that's it? They go, yeah, yeah, we're going to put them out in the alley and have somebody pick them out. I said, bring those vacuums back in here. Let me, let me see what's wrong with these vacuums. And so... Uh, Brother Nick, help me out with this vacuum. We want to kind of show you a couple of things here. And what I learned about these vacuums, because again, I've learned how to repair them and fix them, is they have this plate down here. And you notice this plate, it has this little rubber belt, and it has these rollers. And one of the problems with one of the vacuum was this belt had busted, because there are people here that pick up paper clips and metal and it chops it up. Don't do that. When you hear metal, stop the vacuum, okay? Anyway, because this plastic thing gets broken, but you guys don't know that, but it gets broken up. But anyway, so it could chop it all up. And so uh, when this is not working, when there's no belt, that means it doesn't spin this brush. 
and therefore it's not picking up anything, okay? I've also found it where it, the belt was fine, everything else was good, but all this brush was either, all the brittles were worn down, or it was a bunch of hair, a lot of your hair. It was all clogging it all up, and it, was, it could hardly even move this thing, and so you literally have to take out the roller. You got to clean it out, cut, get scissors, cut them all up. Yeah, it's gross. Let me tell you, some of you guys, some of your hairspray is pretty bad. So anyway, <laughs> you got to get it all and unclog this whole thing. And, again, and basically, this roller here is about 15 bucks. This belt's about a dollar. And so uh, the other part about this vacuum, why don't you show them, is these vacuums have what they call vacuum bags. Or, and you fill up all the junk fields up here. The other problem we're experiencing is there's a line here. Once it gets here, you have to throw this away. But the problem was people were just letting it go all the way up there. And they go, it's not sucking it. The bag is full. <laughs> Too much in here. Replace. Replace the bag. Yeah, see, he's got some junk coming out there now. Hey, Enrique, what's happening here? Okay. <laughs> Let's give Enrique a big hand. So the reason I give you that illustration is to tell you a few things. There's a lot of junk in your life that God wants to vacuum out. And there's a few things in your life that are clogging it up. And if you'll let, make some adjustments in your life, God will break it out. God will take out all that bitterness, all that offense, all that unforgiveness. How many can say amen? All, the, all God wants to do, all it takes is a few changes and a few different perspectives and a different attitude, and you'll find that God can fix you up. See, thank God God doesn't throw us away and say, oh, I got plenty of people. Oh, he's no good. Just put them aside. Thank God God goes, leaves the 91 and goes after the one. Every one of you is important to God, and every one of you mattered to God. So the first thing is this. How do we not become offended? How do we not become offended or how do we deal with offense and how do we not become offended number one write this down you ask God to reveal the hurt that is in your heart let me just tell you this I found that there's a lot of people that are hurting in their lives and they don't even know it because they buried it we've learned how to suppress hurt and so here's the problem. If you, if you don't know what you're hurting for, with, you don't know what you need healing from. There's some things in your life that you've buried, and God wants to heal you from it. Look at what Psalm 139.1 says. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. So this is the person that's being honest with God, said, God, if there's something in my heart that I'm unforgiving... If there's something in my heart that I'm holding on to, help me to recognize it. Help me to see it. How many know you can burn things right away and put the flame up, but sometimes it's a slow burner. Something has slowly been creeping up in your life. It's slowly burning, slowly simmering, and you need to ask God, what is it, Lord? There's some things. Because I have found when people lash out with attitude, when people lash out in their response, there's some hurt in their lives, and there's, it's turned into bitterness and hatred, and it's been simmering, and they've been buried it, and all you have to do is say the right trigger word, and it comes out. How many know what I'm saying today? Number two, write this down. Second thing you need to do, you need to ask God to forgive you for the ways that you've offended others. 
Now you say, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm thinking about others offending me. No, all of us have offended others. All of us in one way or another have offended other people. In the rest of that psalm, Psalm 139, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And then it says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead, lead in the way everlasting. So this prayer is the prayer of humility saying, God, search me, show me what's there. And God, if I've offended anyone, if I've hurt anyone, help me to recognize if I've offended others, Lord, uh, I, if, if I've said anything unkind to someone, if I've been rude to someone, if I've been mean to someone, Lord, help me, reveal it to me, show me where that is, uh, and God, forgive me, lead me in a way that's everlasting. Now, my wife and I this year on July 28th will be celebrating our 40-year wedding anniversary. Isn't that awesome? Been married to my wife going on 40 years. That woman has a lot of forgiveness. Hallelujah. I thank you for clapping, but I thought last 40 years, I've, I've, I'm sure I've offended her many times. And when I look at the past 40 years, I'm sure I've offended a lot of people in my life. And I think about all the offenses, maybe all the times that I was judgmental instead of merciful, all the times that I did something wrong or unkind or I was rushing ahead and I didn't listen. This is that prayer, Lord, search me, try me, show my anxious thoughts, God. Because all of us, if we look our, our, at our past and if we look back, we have, we have offended other people, we have hurt other people. Isn't this part of Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer? Part of it is Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those that have sinned against us. In other words, Lord, forgive us first of how we've sinned against others, how we've mistreated others, how we've offended others, even God as we've forgiven those that sinned. So it's basically assuming because you're asking for forgiveness, you're going to forgive other people. You want forgiveness, but you don't want to forgive others. How does that work? Jesus said the Lord's prayer is this, that Lord forgive us our sins and we've forgiven those that have sinned against us. So forgiveness toward others deeply, listen to me, deeply impacts God's forgiveness in our life. You know why we have trouble forgiving other people? Because you're not even sure that God's forgiven you. The more you're confident, the more you understand God's forgiveness, the more you'll be able to forgive others. The more you'll be able to give other people forgiveness because you are confident in God's forgiveness and so therefore you forgive others. Here's the next one. You forgive the one who offended you. Forgive the ones that have offended you. All of us, again, the Bible says, have been offended. Jesus said, there's no way that you are going to live life without being offended. And so how do we handle offense? What are we supposed to do? Look at this scripture. You're not going to like it. Some of you might have taken it out of your Bible, but it's still there. Colossians 3 verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive what? Anyone who offends you. Now remember, the Lord forgave you. It says, forgive anyone that has offended you. 
So forgiveness is at the center of not taking an offense. We are forgiven people, and so we are forgiving people, right? He said, make allowances for other people's hearts or faults and forgive anyone that offends you. Now, there's two things that I want to talk about when it comes to forgiving and uh, those that have offended you. Two things uh, that I want to kind of make real clear. There's two things that you must always do when someone offends you. And there's two things that you sometimes have to do. And I'm going to explain that. You go, sometimes. I like the sometimes. No, I'm going to explain why, why I'm saying sometimes. But there's two things that you have to do immediately. You, you must do it. That's part of being a Christian. That's part of following Christ. You must do this when you are offended. And there's two other things that you do sometime depending on the circumstances. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that out to you because I think it will really, uh, really help us. And so you always have to release it. Write, write this down. If you're offended, you have to release it to God. Because when we hold on to hurt... It turns into hate. And if you don't release your bitterness, you'll begin to resemble your bitterness. You'll begin to look like a cara de chancla, right? You'll begin to look like, you know, uh, a prune juice and, and uh, your faith like a sour prune, right? You'll begin to look like that. And so it says, uh, if, if you'll begin to resemble. You need to get it out of your life. You always release it to God. You always release it to God. You say, God, I give it to you. I, I, I give it to you, God. I release it to you. There's two, again, there, these words in the New Testament, to forgive means to offer the gift of grace or pardon, and it means to release and set free. When you offer the gift of grace, instead of trying to hold on to it, you offer this gift of grace to others. You pardon. Now, here's where it gets kind of shady. When do I just let it go, or and when do I deal with it and point it out? So this is what you sometimes do. Are you ready with, for this? You sometimes overlook the offense. Now look at what the scripture says. Proverbs 19, 11. So that means when someone offends you, you don't immediately say, well, we're going to deal with it right now, because you'd be having a press conference every five minutes, because people would be offending you, right? You'd be calling the boss. You'd be going, oh, this person, this coworker offended me. You'd be stopping like, you know, 20 people in traffic because they offended you, right? So you can't do that. You got to let some offenses go. The store clerk offended you. The manager offended you. The guy at Starbucks offended you. All these people offended you. So you, you, sometimes you let go of these offenses. Look at what Proverbs 19.11 says. A person wisdom yields patience. So you need a little bit of patience. It's to one glory, to your honor, to overlook an offense. So there are times when some unkind or selfish uh, or rude thing is done to you that you're going to have to choose to overlook it, especially in family. How many have some tios and tias that have offended you? Right? And you just go overlook it. You don't deal with it. You say, ah, that's my tío. That's my tia. I love him. That's my cousin. I overlook it. Am I right? That's my mother-in-law. God bless her heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> we overlook it. You know, my, my mom, I just, God, are we online? My mom, my mom, is, 
she, she's in heaven, God rest her soul, so I'm going to talk about her. Hallelujah. <laughs> but she, she had seven boys, and so she loves her boys. And so I had to warn, you know, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, all of us, but it's like, hey, you know, my mom loves her boys, so she's not really fond of, you know. Anyway, she loves her boys. She's going to take care of her boys. So she may be a little offensive. You're just going to have to give her a little bit of grace, you know. And so we, we got to be willing to give a little bit of grace and overlook a thing. I would say generally in church, we're pretty good at that. I said we should be pretty good at that. It's going to happen in church. Someone, uh, you know, unintentionally didn't shake your hand, didn't smile at you. If, if you came to church and you held everybody to every offense, man, you're going to be a miserable person. There had been times that even me as the pastor or someone, uh, you know, was rude to me or someone was not very kind. And one of the leaders said, Pastor, you know, uh, that guy was kind of rude. I go, oh, we, we're going to grace that guy out. We, we grace that guy. No big deal. We grace him. And the pastor, that guy, that would grace him. Other times, we'll put a hit on him. No, no, we're not. We're not going to. This is not the Christian mafia, okay? There's no such thing. We grace the guy. Hallelujah. We grace people here. We grace them. We say, hey, no, you know, we're, we're not going to hold anything against them. Uh, it, 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 you know what? We're, we overlook it. So you, there are times that you have to overlook it. It's not a big deal. Are you with me? But there are other times. Now, here's the other sometimes that you have to point it out. When someone has sinned against you, done wrong to you, there are, this is the time where you have to confront it. But again, you confront it in humility and a spirit of love. This is what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 18. Look at what it says. If another believer sinned against you, not because they disagree with you, but they sinned against you, what does it say? Go privately and pointed out the offense. If the person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. In other words, there's restoration. So, it giving us some important guidelines on how to restore and how to handle an offense and when you need to point it out. So when do you need to point it out? Usually, if, if after you prayed about it and after you've sought God about it, it's still on your mind. You need to deal with it and confront that person. But here's what most people do. They violate this principle. When someone sins against you, what we do, instead of going to that person, we go on Facebook. We go on TikTok. You go on X. You go on Instagram. You call your te concha. You call everybody, your whole family, and you're telling everybody in the world about what this person did to you Instead of going to what Matthew chapter 18 says, you're supposed to go to that person privately, right? And you're supposed to, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, you need to deal with that person. I go, what happened? Yeah, this person did this. I, I go, hold on a second. Have we gone to Matthew 18? Have you talked to this person? You want us to handle all your problems for you? And all? No, no, we're not doing that here. You're privately supposed to talk to that person. You privately are supposed to do it in a spirit of love and a spirit of grace. Right? Or we tell our friends, and now we become little gang, little Christian gang. We won't have gangs here, okay? And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that girl, oh, yeah, well, man, I, I got some stuff on her, too. Let's go get, we're not, we don't have gangs. This is not the hood. This is the church of God. This is not the hood. There's no hood here. There's no Christian hood. This is the kingdom of God. 
We love people. We do it things according to the Bible. In fact, that's a worldly value that I talked about last week. Remember last week I talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about taking sides. It says you're acting uh, the same way unbelievers act in the world. The proof of your immaturity is your arguing and quarreling and the divisions you created. That proved you still belong to the world and are living with worldly values. One said, I support Paul. Another one said, I, I support You're acting like unbelievers, not like Christ. So remember, this is God's church. He loves his church. You're supposed to love the church even as Christ loved the church. Did you hear me? And can I, can I just preach a little bit? Can I just say something? There is no such thing as church hurt. The church didn't hurt you. An individual hurt you. Two people might have hurt you. The whole church didn't gather together and say, oh, yeah, we're getting you. It's your day. No, no, no. We, 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 we're not doing that. The whole church, so get out of your language. I'm feeling church hurt. No, you're feeling an individual that hurt you. Or maybe two individuals, but the whole church didn't hurt you. Even if the pastor, which I happen to be the pastor here, I'm not the church, I'm an individual. You can say the pastor hurt you, but you can't say the whole church. Before church, they all get blamed. Say, what did I do to you, man? I was, you know, I'm your friend. Oh, you're the church. You're all that church. That reached church. They all hurt me. The, the, the church is not a gang. The church is God's kingdom. And the church loves you and cares about you. Can you say amen? I thought I'd put it out there. Okay, so how, 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 do you, how do you know, again, how to point it out? It's complicated, but again, you have to make sure that you're operating out of the spirit of love, that it's something that you have to deal with, that it's an offense enough where you have to point it out. And here's the last thing, or not the last thing, but one of the other points, is you always refuse to take revenge. You never take revenge. Revenge is the asset to your soul. When you're trying to get that person back, you're plotting to get that person, you're threatening, uh, you're, you're, you're pushing uh, to get that person back. Look at what the Bible says in Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge, never. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back says the Lord. So God will settle the issue how he settled it. Not necessarily, yeah, God, take him back. Yeah, strike him dead. That's not what it's talking about. God will settle it. Revenge, when we do revenge, it gets us in a cycle of unforgiveness and pain. When we take revenge, it'll hurt you and it'll hurt others. What often what we do is that we say, well, I'm not taking revenge, but you give that person a cold shoulder. You're giving them dirty looks during worship. You're saying, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Yeah, all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, right? And we're doing all of that. that that's revenge. That's evil. That's not of God. I said, that's of the flesh. Or you're like me, man. You're staying up at night, waking at night, thinking of ways you're going to get them back. Right? How many know that's not of God? Oh, you've never done that. Come on, you've done it. We've been, we've been prisoners of our bitterness before, right? You're like that vacuum. You, got, you don't have that belt working correctly. So how many times should we forgive that person? Luke chapter 17 says, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, what? You must forgive them. 
He's pastor, you said seven times, man, I can't wait for the eighth time. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. No, it doesn't say, it's talking about unlimited times. All right, talking about unlimited time. Well, maybe you don't have that person that sinned against you seven times in one day, but you're thinking about it at least more than seven times in that one day about what they did. You're supposed to forgive them, the Bible says. In fact, Jesus said, if a person, he, he goes, how many times should uh, I forgive them, Peter said, and Jesus said, 70 times seven. Is that 490 times? No, he says unlimited amount of time, right? So we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to let it go. So here's two final truths that I want to kind of bring down today. I want to kind of help you with. You pray, number one, how do we let go of offense? How do we fix it? We were talking about this vacuum. Uh, what, how do we fix it? Instead of just throwing it all away, instead of just giving up. Number one, this is how you fix it. You pray for those that have offended you. Have you ever prayed for that person? That person offended you, did you wrong? Have you even started even praying for them? Well, yeah, pastor, I prayed. I prayed they get hemorrhoids. I prayed that they have credit problems. I pray they go bankrupt in Jesus' name. No, that's, that's not the kind of prayer that we're talking about today. You know, yeah, I'm praying for them, all right? No, that's not, the uh, Bible says you're supposed to pray for healing, you're supposed to pray for their soul. Supposed to pray that God gets a hold of them. Are you? Uh, can you say Amen? This is the kind of prayer that we're supposed to be praying. Now, Jesus said, "Pray for that person." Look at what it said in Matthew five forty two, four forty, uh, Matthew five forty four. But I say, love your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for anyone, not anyone who mis mistreats you. So a true release, if you want true healing, if you don't want it to turn into bitterness and anger that's eating you up inside, you're supposed to pray for them. You're supposed to pray for them. And here's the second thing I think that will really help you is remember God has a bigger plan than your offense. You're so focused on the offense, you don't realize God had the bigger plan. There's a lot of things greater that God's doing in your life than just the offense. We're not careful. All we're thinking about is the offense. All we're thinking about is what that person, you haven't prayed for them, you haven't uh, forgiven them, and so what happens is you're holding on to them and you believe that this offense is controlling your life, it's controlling your future. Let me tell you, what people have done to you, uh, they can't control you. You allow God to, to dictate what's going on in your life. Don't let it control you. Sometimes there is greater good even beyond the offense. I'll give you a short story here, and it's found in Genesis, the story of Joseph. Most of us know the story, how he, uh, he had this dream, but his brothers were jealous of him, and they end up selling him into slavery. How many know I'd be offended if you sold me into slavery? They sold him into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He ends up uh, uh, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife that she said he, you know, she, he was trying to rape her when she was, you know, the, uh, the Kruger that was trying to get her and all that and all that stuff. So he, that's a lie. Or the Cougar, did I say Kruger? Cougar, Cougar, yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, he ends up in prison. 
And as he's in prison there, he ends up years in prison. Finally, God makes a way, he gets out, and he becomes second of command to Pharaoh. And when his brothers come looking for food, because Egypt uh, it now has all this food, all this harvest, because there's been seven years of famine, and people from all over are coming to get food. It's Joseph's opportunity to get his brothers back, but instead he forgives them. And he weeps for them. And he makes this statement. I love what he says. He doesn't minimize what they did to him. He says this in, in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He didn't minimize the offense. He maximized God's power. He goes, you intended it to harm me, but God worked it out for the good. Friend, when you're able to do that, as believers, I believe we need to filter everything through the cross of Calvary. The power of the cross, the reason why we can be forgiven is because Jesus forgave us. The Bible says that as he's on the cross, these people are not even asking for forgiveness. But God or Jesus is giving them forgiveness. He says, forgive them. They don't know what they do. There's times where we're waiting. Well, when they come and make it right, then I'll forgive them. No, you're immediately supposed to forgive people, whether they're asking for forgiveness or not. You're immediately supposed to release them. You're immediately supposed to give it to God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would not that we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. You are healed because of his wounds. That gives us the ability today to forgive others. So let's pray. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.